Don't you know that you so wrong, man? You're wrong and here's why. Chris and Greg don't see eye to eye like none of the time. Robert Covington sticks. I don't care what you think. How is LeBron James the king when he's ruining teams? Yo, wrong and here's why. Underdog Sports presents. Yo, wrong and here's why. Underdog Sports presents. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of You're Wrong and Here's Why. I'm Chris Horwoodell, joined by Greg Crone. Gregory, how's it going? I mean, it is absolutely terrible. I mean, just flat out, mm-hmm. unbelievably awful. Uh, it just sports stinks. Sports just absolutely stink. I'm done with it. I'm done with sports, Chris. I'm going to quit sports. I don't know that you're going to be the best co-host moving forward, but <laughs> I guess we could talk about video games and movies and stuff, but... We've show, done that before. The show's going to change. Just Probably. To, uh, get used to that. Expect it. Realign your expectations here in these uh, these second hundred shows are going to be almost no sports, basically. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just flat out disconcerting and disheartening, mm. if I'm being perfectly honest, to, to sit here and... Watch the the just horribleness of last night and the the game that we witnessed on Monday Night Football. There's just nothing fun, nothing fun ever with anything. It, the the offense is listless. You don't get a first down until the second quarter against one of the worst defenses ever. Yeah, it, it's just it's just so bad. Doug has no answers. I hate him. I just fire everybody. Start over. Fire the coaching staff in the front office and then give Carson one more shot. And if it goes the other way, he's still got three years of Jalen Hurts at like no money. But other than that, things are Everything's good. great. <laughs> Couldn't be happier. Uh, by the way, the uh, the Eagles no longer the uh, odds-on favorite to win the NFC East at Bavada Sportsbook. The New York football giants uh, now in first place at plus 190, followed by the red... Oh, Jesus. The football <laughs> team at plus 200. The Eagles at plus 260 and uh, the Dallas Cowboys at plus 550. I mean, that doesn't shock me in any way. The Giants should be the favorite. They absolutely should be. They have the advantage from a schedule standpoint. Um, they've been the one playing the best. I mean, the Cowboys are a complete joke. Yeah. The Reds, uh, the, I almost did the thing, mm. same thing you did. The football team is great defensively, but I worry about them moving forward with Alex Smith. I, I just, the Giants have the clearest and easiest path. There's almost no way they'll screw it up. Here's why I don't agree with you. Uh, I suppose what I should have said is you're wrong and here's why. <laughs> the The Dallas Cowboys schedule is so much easier than everybody else's moving forward. I, I, I'm actually concerned that I don't see a lot of wins for the other three teams un, you know, until the end of the season when teams play each other and somebody has to win. But I'm just saying right now, that that 550 at Bavada looks pretty good for the Cowboys, and it might be worth throwing a couple of shekels down because I think at the end of the day, they are going to end up being the champions in the NFC East. I mean, I'm always here for uh, the underdog getting – look at that. Look at you. Uh, synergy. Um, uh, anytime you can get plus money in something, that's always a positive, but it, it would pain me to think that the Cowboys – uh, can possibly win this division when they just have such terrible losses. Even with even with Andy Dalton, who was supposed to sort of save their season after the Dak injury, mm-hmm. like you can't you can't lose the way you did on Thanksgiving and make anybody feel confident in putting money on you, regardless of schedule. Uh, yeah, look, I I mean I don't disagree that they look like hot steaming garbage, but 
you're talking about looking like hot steaming garbage in the midst of a dump and that's what the nfc east is it really is it's it's amazing like at first you think like oh this is kind of funny like all these teams stink ha 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 who's gonna win this terrible division and then it's like Oh man, no! Like these teams actually all really stink, and like yeah. nobody ever got better. Nobody yeah. ever like made even a decent run to getting within like four games of being over five hundred. It's it's so bad. No, it, it's incredibly embarrassing to be a part of. But I don't know. It, last night was tough. I did not enjoy it. You talked about the ineptitude earlier, but I think the easiest way to sum it up is that in the first quarter of their game uh, with practice squad quarterback Kendall Hinton starting for the first time ever, practice squad wide receiver turn quarterback Kendall Hinton starting, the Denver Broncos had 23 yards of offense. The Philadelphia Eagles had negative five yards of offense in the first quarter against a historically bad defense. How can you ever explain your receivers having 46 yards of offense, of receiving yardage? In a in an NFL game against the worst defense ever. Well, and like, how do you how do you justify not throwing to Travis Fulgham until the fourth quarter? And by the way, hey, uh, weird, good stuff happens when you get that guy the football. Well, it, it's it because they don't know what's going on. They're unprepared. They're undisciplined. I don't, I don't know, know what goes on. And you and the, you know, early on in the season when the struggles really first started, Doug was like, "Well, we had a shortened summer," and it's like, "Yeah, well, other teams figured it out." Yep. Like you can't blame it on, you can't blame unpreparedness on that. Like it makes me it makes me wonder more and more that as that team that won the Super Bowl, like they really just got lucky. Like it's oh, there's yeah. so much luck involved uh, with with the play on the field because the the coaching staff that's that's hung around from that is the dregs of society apparently when it comes to coaching. I mean defensively, defensively those guys came out to play last night. Did mm-hmm. they commit some dumb ter- dumb penalties? Sure, but when those penalties happened, they came back to play. Like they they made a bad penalty, Malik Jackson terrible penalty. The, uh, they, early neither in the one game. of them bothered me by the way. Those first two back those back-to-back personal fouls didn't bother uh, me. I guess, I don't know. Either either way, you can't you can't have personal fouls. You just can't do it. Especially the one where he comes up from behind and throws the guy down like that's just stupid. It's just stupid to me. And it shows the lack of mm, repercussions from a coaching standpoint if if that happens, right? Mm. You're you're taking the game into your own hands and in affecting the entire team uh, for what reason and what outcome? I don't know. It do, to be honest, doesn't matter. Team stinks. Defense is better than the offense. The offense is historically bad. Like, they are unbelievably bad. They Everything is slow de- uh, developing and slow moving. Everyone blames Carson for everything. But, I mean, when you as you watch these games more and more, yeah, he's bad. He's missing throws. He's not reading sure. things. But he's getting crushed on every single play. Like, it's 98% of the time he is getting hit whether it's a sack, whether it's a knockdown after, or whether there's just somebody in his face that comes up and gives him a hug. It's wild. Yeah. And, he, and it, it just appears gun shy. It's really bad. He's holding the ball a little bit too. And that's part of the problem. If you look at the stats, he's holding the ball more than pretty much any quarterback in the NFL right now. And I don't think that's just a receivers aren't getting open thing. Because if you look at the tape, guys are there. I think he's just a little hesitant to pull the trigger. And Carson seems to have regressed in terms of going through progressions quickly. He, he's been a lock-on guy this year. And if that, if that lock-on option isn't there, 
only reluctantly does he move on to the next guy. And by that time, he probably does have a defender in his face. You know, one of the one of the really interesting followers on Twitter is Brian Baldinger. And Baldinger, for all of his eccentricities, is, you know, he's a loyal Eagles fan. He loves this Eagles team. And it's interesting to watch him from early on in the season talk about, you know, well, this is happening and this is happening and everything can be okay because of this to last night. The sheer exasperation in his voice as he's trying to break down what's going on in the field. The play specifically uh, that I saw him break down was was the first of the the Carson underthrows on what should have been Dallas Goddard touchdowns. And on this play, you, you can clearly see both Jalen Rager and Travis Fulgham basically shrugging their shoulders and raising their hands because they're both wide open when Carson tries to get the ball downfield. Raker specifically did not even have anyone line up on him for the, on that play, and they were in man. Carson yeah. did not see it. He did not identify the the problems in the secondary, and he's just not processing quickly enough. I, I agree that they're not going to move on from him, and I agree that they probably shouldn't move on from him because he, he hasn't just forgot how to play quarterback. There's something inherently wrong here, and you know, I have to look to the coaching staff and the game plan for what that problem is. Now— I don't want to turn this into we complain about the the Eagles for thirty minutes. Well, let's try and limit it to nine minutes. I'm going to throw you a <laughs> I'm going to throw you a bone here, Greg. And what I want to talk about in the first block is the National Hockey League. Ooh. I'm I'm looking at the odds at Bavada for the 2020 uh, 2021. Pardon me, Stanley Cup champions. And uh, I want to get your take. I'm going to give you some odds. You tell me too high, too low. What do you think of the team? Let's start with, well, let's look at like uh, the teams at the top, some of the more interesting teams, people sub sub 2000. And let's start with the Pittsburgh Penguins plus 1800 at Bavada. Good odds, or too high, too low. What do we think of the Penguins? I mean, you definitely have a bunch of guys that are still hanging around from their back-to-back Stanley Cups. Like the, they, they still have that veteran talent, but that veteran talent's getting even older. Like, I mean, Sidney Crosby's still elite. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, one of the best players in the league. Uh, same with Evgeny Malkin. Uh, but you are seeing a definite a definite regression in, in guys like Chris Letang, who really has held down the blue line for them. Um, they moved on from two-time Stanley, Col- uh, Stanley Cup winner, uh, winning goalie Matt Murray in the offseason, trading him away. Um, their offense, their offense definitely has some firepower, but I, I mean it really is going to depend on how that how that new goaltending situation comes out and i don't know i don't know if it's going to be enough to get them all the way there but at plus 1800 i would i would i would at least put a little bit on that can i tell you as a i don't know i don't even know if i want to say casual hockey fan as, as a casual hockey observer <laughs> it's it's crazy to me that sidney crosby is is 33 years old because in my head, if you were to ask me how old is Sidney Crosby uh, 45 minutes ago, I would have said he's probably like 26. Well, it's the LeBron thing. Yeah. It's the he's been around for so long. I mean, Sidney Crosby was a star at 18, 19 in the NHL. And he's just, it's, just, it's one of those constant things. You really don't realize just how many seasons he's actually been there and, and, and played uh, same it's, it's and it's even harder with him because he's been on the same team for so long, like over his entire career, like LeBron, like you can almost segment because true. 
because of the there's the first Cleveland stint, then there's Miami, then there's Cleveland again, now there's LA. Um, you can kind of progress the ages in that situation with Crosby. I mean, he's been in Pittsburgh since day one, essentially helped save the franchise and keep it there. Um, and they're probably more popular than they've ever been. And maybe early 90s when there was less distractions and you had Mario Lemieux and Yager running around that Yager town. Yager Lemieux! Greg, winning he, wore number, he wore number 68. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. 66 and 68 just absolutely firing pucks in the net and, and claiming back-to-back titles for the, the, the Pittsburgh Penguins in the early 90s. I mean, they were, dy- they were dynamos. Well, as I mentioned, I purchased NHL 21 for, for PlayStation, so I will, have, uh, I will have some basic hockey knowledge this year. <laughs> and uh, Until I, I play two games and I'm like, this isn't what I remember this game being 10 years ago when I last played exactly. it. <laughs> and now I'm done and I'm just going to go play Cyberpunk a little bit more. But... <laughs> We'll see what happens. Watched up, watched up city with video games for me now too. The sports games, I, I get like, I go, I try to play online, and then as soon as I do, I get absolutely smashed. I'm like, I don't, I'm gonna go play Call of Duty. This is, this is, I got nothing. Well, we can play each other online because we're both incompetent. So that that's Good a point. that's fair leveling of uh, <laughs> of this the skill barrier here. Next up, uh, the the next best odds to win the Stanley Cup at Bavada. The Philadelphia Flyers at plus fifteen hundred. I mean, it's for, for the Flyers. The disappointment at the end of last season with how the series with the Islanders ended mm-hmm. should be enough motivation for a team that's filled with young talent. I mean, obviously you have your your mainstays in Claude Giroux and and Jake Voracek and Van Riemsdyk. Um, but but this team is all about being young and having the speed, uh, a solid blue line. You added Eric Gustafson. You'll probably move on from one or two pieces. You lose Matt Niskin into retirement. Mm. Um, Provorov just gets better and better. You have Carter Hart, obviously, to bank on. Brian Elliott coming back again for, for at least one more go-around to be his backup. Is, uh, uh, I mean, is, is, is Eric Desjardins still there? Uh, mm, him and him and Chris Tarion hung him up just a few short years ago. Got it. Um, got it. Got it. He's probably. But, I mean, Desjardins probably only fifty, right? He's probably. Yeah. I mean, that actually sounds. That sounds about right. He's probably late forties, fifty. Yeah. Um, he could probably still lace him up. I don't know how good he'd be, but he can lace him up at least. Um, but this team, it's all gonna. It's really gonna depend on the next steps that guys take. It's gonna. It's gonna be. Uh, you know, Travis Konechny being the leading scorer and taking that next step that propels them in the playoffs and not mm. going goalless. It's going to be, you know, getting Oscar Lindblom back from cancer. It's going to be the, the emergence of a guy like Morgan Frost who saw flashes in the, the NHL last year and then was sent back to the AHL. Like it's, it's going to be these guys that are coming through the pipeline that are going to really determine whether the flyers are worth uh, betting on. It can get, over that hump. I do like where they ended last year, even though it was disappointing. So there's definitely, definitely value there. Uh, Eric Desjardins is 51 years old. Ah, dude, you were almost dead on. I know, right? I know things. I know things. <laughs> um, yeah, no, this is a really interesting ascending team. Were you surprised that they didn't make that splash move this offseason to try and get over the hump? Uh, I was hoping for something a little bit better, but it never came. Yeah. Like we... We were all around the the NHL draft, and there was a lot of conversation surrounding um, Patrick Laney. Yeah, Patrick Laine. And, I gave it a shot. Pa- 
you were close. Thanks. You almost had it uh, and a potential move there, but I think they were just asking for too much. Like, you're not going to give up a guy like Konechny who's younger, not much younger, but younger than than Line A and is is a guy who's emerging as a really, really good talent for, for that. You would need to add Line A to a guy like that for it to make sense. So I think I think what Chuck Fletcher did was just, just kind of take a step back and, and reevaluate and, and not go – not try to mortgage the future for potentially two good seasons now. I'll assume this Chuck Fletcher has something to do with the front office of the organization. <laughs> General manager. <laughs> you could have given me literally – a million guesses and I would just be combining the like names and la- first and last names at some point, just <laughs> trying to get it right. And probably wouldn't have up next at plus 1300 at Bavada. Nope. Up next at plus 1400 at Bavada, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. Uh, it, I, I find it very hard to bet on a Canadian team to win the Stanley Cup. It's one of those things that's 100% going to happen at some point. Mm-hmm. Just statistically, a, 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 a Canadian-based team is going to win. It hasn't happened in 30 years. I mean, it's been a significantly long time. I think it was the Vancouver Canucks were the last Canadian team to do it. Maybe we're close. I don't need the 1895 one. Um Montreal Canadiens, actually, 1993. They're the last... uh, I don't think the Canucks have ever won. It doesn't matter. Uh, The Montreal Canadiens were the last ones to win it in 1993. So we're really... We're we're really getting close to that 30-year mark. And the, the... the Maple Leafs just never get it done. Like, they have so much talent. You have the Mitch Marners, the Austin Matthews, you know, former number one overall pick there. Mm-hmm. Uh, a guy who took the league by storm. I mean, uh, you know, they added John Tavares in, you know, last last year in the offseason. Essentially, take, he, they, he, he was so good, they took the C away from Austin Matthews and gave it to John Tavares. I mean, they added Wayne Simmons in the offseason, former flyer. Uh, Current they, black they got, person. Well, sure. There's just so few um, of them in the NHL. I feel like it's th- worth pointing out. That's, I guess, if that's the way you want to go with it. Um, I'm always, su- I'm always surprised when I when I see Simmons. Like I'm just saying, I'm always surprised because for whatever reason, you know, the the African American. Pe- oh God, <laughs> I feel like I'm digging myself into a deeper hole here. I just feel like it's it's never really been embraced by uh, by African Americans for whatever reason, and God knows the athletic abilities there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I mean, it's definitely you do you are seeing it more and more. Um, that community getting involved in hockey and getting involved in the NHL. The problem is, I, I just like it's. Hockey's just such a weird sport. Like it's it's too high a barrier to entry when you're young. I think that's I think that's part of it. Like I don't want to say all hockey players are highfalutin because it's definitely not the case. Mm-hmm. But like there's so much equipment involved and and right, different right. things and and like travel and I don't know. It's I find it I find it tough. I don't know. I don't I don't really like the Maple Leafs. I, I think from an offensive standpoint, they're fine. Goaltending leaves a lot to be desired. Frederick Anderson is whatever. Um, Greg, can we just talk about the fact that you're exactly right to the point where the Mighty Ducks only found Keenan Thompson and his knuckle puck because he was playing street hockey? Accurate. But they, yeah. I mean, look, see, some people say movies can't just go right into uh, real life. And that is a great example of, of, of what we're talking about. Exactly right. I make lots of great <laughs> examples. By the way, who, who can forget 
that the Vancouver Canucks, they were founded in 1945. They've never won a Stanley Cup. They do have three, three conference championships, the last of which was in 2011. Yep, and then they lost the Stanley Cup to the Boston Bruins, and then Vancouver went crazy and like burned their own city down. Also, their minor league affiliate is the Kalamazoo Wings in the ECHL. <laughs> Dude, some of the some of the affiliates that you see, like some of the names are just awesome, and that's that's one of them. Mainly because mainly because of the city, not really the name, just the city. I I dig the Canucks jersey. I like I like the blue and green. It's a solid logo. It's definitely a solid logo. I mean, even their throwbacks are cool. Like if you go to to the Pavel Bure era Canucks, I mean, they were just absolute heat. I, I don't. I you can't hate on a Canucks jersey. Uh, I am a little bit. Can, I'm a little bit confused by the logo though, because why is there like a whale? What does the whale have to do with anything? No idea. Absolutely. Maybe Vancouver's a fishing town. Is that is that what it is? Oh, look, that, I don't know. that logic holds up, but usually the logo tends to represent the team name, and that's not really the case here, unless the people of Canada are actually whales and they're at a meg. Okay, look. Listen, I'm, <laughs> we're getting into I Harry almost, Potter all of a sudden. I know. It was, uh, look, it's been a long day, is what I'm saying. <laughs> and uh, what I really want to do here is not talk about any of that stuff that we were talking about and move on. <laughs> To the uh, to the for the love of God, Boston Bruins at plus thirteen hundred at Bavada. So going into the bubble that the NHL created, the Bruins were the best team in the NHL. I mean, mm-hmm. they were the number one seed in the East pretty handily, um, and they it's a team with a lot. I mean, they were coming off of a loss in the Stanley Cup Final to St. Louis, um, and they, they're they're still very very good. Patrice Bergeron still one of the best best guy uh, best two way forwards in the game. Marshawn's obviously way up there. David Posternock led the NHL in scoring or goals last year. Um, I mean, from a defensive standpoint, they're very young. Charlie McAvoy took a big step last year. Uh, we'll see if they bring back longtime legend and very old person Zdeno Chara. Wow. Who knows? He, uh, I know. Zdeno Chara still playing hockey? I think he's like the only person to play in four decades or something like that. Or Yeah, because it was... I think it's he played in like he started in like ninety nine, then played in the two thousands, twenty tens, and then this year the twenty twenties. So he's the first player in NHL history to play in four decades. Forty three years old. Yeah, and still contributing out there. Like it's not like he's forty three and getting beat left and right. Uh, sure, has he taken a step back? Absolutely, but um, he's definitely somebody who, if he were to come back, I think he said at one point that the only place he would come back is. Um, uh, is to Boston, and that's kind of where he, he wants to finish out his career. I mean, he's been there for uh, 12 years, I think, something like that, maybe even a little bit longer. Uh, actually, yeah, wow, he was drafted in 96. Jesus. Um, mm-hmm. That is crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but, I, I know who he is, for example. Yeah, ex- exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, and, I mean, they, it, going into the bubble, Tuka Rask was their starting goalie. He quit, like, very early, he had uh, some family issues. He decided to leave. They were left with Yaroslav Halak, not a terrible backup by any stretch. So I'm not, I'm not, you know, I, they, that Boston team definitely could have went further than they did. Um, but getting Rass back, I mean, the guys won multiple Stanley Cups. I'm not, I'm never going to doubt somebody like that. It's, I think, I think they're going to be a, a, again a force in the Eastern Conference. Moving on, the next best odds, well, it's a tie. The first of these teams is the Tampa Bay Lightning at plus 800 at Bavada. 
I mean, defending Stanley Cup champions. That's really all you have to say in a situation like this. The, the, they went from one of the most embarrassing 4-0 defeats as the best team in the NHL's regular season, mm-hmm. losing to the eighth-seed Columbus Blue Jackets, to coming back and, and winning, um, winning the, the, I think, the second Stanley Cup in their franchise's history. I mean, they are just a scoring machine. They also did this without Steven Stamkos, arguably their best player. I mean, guys like Braden Point, Nikita Kucherov, um, Tyler Johnson, Anthony Sorelli, guys just absolutely uh, – they can just pour it on when it comes to scoring. Victor Hedman, one of the best defensive players uh, – or defensemen in the NHL – uh, they are they are absolutely dynamite. Vasilevsky, one of the best goalies as well. There's no reason to not take a flyer at eight to one uh, on on the defending uh, Stanley Cup champs. Yeah, are we are we concerned? You know, Anthony Sorelli not signed yet, um, and this team has basically zero cap room at this point. He he remains a restricted free agent, and weird stuff happens in hockey with restricted free agents. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest worry would be if somebody sent over an offer sheet for him. Uh, and it wouldn't shock me if they did, because then you start to force the hand of of that team to make a move. Um, th- these, you do see that a lot in hockey. I think offer sheets in hockey are probably the most common ones that are signed. Yeah. Uh, simply because I don't think it, I don't think, it, I think the cap's a little bit more flexible from a basketball perspective. So, like, they, they, they're just not, I don't know if they're done anywhere near as much with restricted free agents there. So it wouldn't shock me with the way he contributed to the, to the Stanley cup winning team. I don't, I don't see how somebody wouldn't do it. It's like there's the, the one that always stands out to me is the flyers. Chris Gratton. Uh, well, no, maybe Chris, Chris Gratton flyer sign. Chris Gratton from the lightning costs them four first round picks. <laughs> I'll never forget that to this day. That's yeah. Not, not the best move, not the best move in the world. I was thinking more of the, when they tried to force the, or they did force the hand of uh, the Nashville Predators and Shea Weber, uh, Shea Weber signed the offer sheet, thinking the Flyers thought they could push around, you know, a smaller market franchise. The hands up signing with Nashville. Nashville ends up trading him like two years later. But mm-hmm. uh, it's it's one of those disappointing things about the offer sheets um, that I remember the most. Actually, I guess Chris Gratton's disappointing too. Not not really the best. Uh, the best ending to that situation with the Flyers. Yeah, they signed him to a giant deal, and they give <sighs> up. It was five years, $16 million. Give up four first-round picks, 98, two, 98, 99, 2000, 2001. And then I think they immediately get those picks back in exchange for Michael Renberg and, uh, and Dykehouse. Ugh, man. What a what a bizarre way for that sort of mini run of the Flyers to and, end. And then he's not even like you sign this guy five years, sixteen million, which is a ton of money in like nineteen ninety seven. Oh yeah, huge money. He give up four first round picks, and if I remember correctly, he was the second line center behind the with Lindros on the top line. Yeah, yeah, it's so bad, dude. Oh, you can't. I I don't understand it. Uh, hockey's so weird. It's just so weird. The money doesn't make any sense. Like I, I, I don't know. I feel like I feel like these guys. The money in hockey is, is so much lower than other sports. Mm-hmm. Like I remember when the the Flyers signed uh, Mike Richards before they traded him when he was first made captain. They signed him to like a thirteen year extension, mm-hmm. and it was like f- fifty two million dollars. Yeah, it, <laughs> it, it, it was eight million dollars. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was 
really, really just like it's crazy how long they signed for. Uh, just absolutely wild. Like, actually, he only made forty six million dollars in the NHL total. Poor so, guy. <laughs> well, and the NHL is crazy because if I remember correctly, and this is such an unreliable narrator talking right now, but after one of their strikes, didn't like all of their salaries get cut down? Like every yeah. salary in the NHL got cut down. Well, and they added like limits to how long you could sign guys. So he signed, it had to be after the 2007, 2008 year. He signed a 13 year deal with the Flyers and it was like, Oh, he's a free agent now. Did we resign yeah. him? No, no, we did not. That deal, that deal was like just pittance uh, when it comes to, to like, if you think about how much you would make in, like a uh, here it was twelve. No, here it is. Twelve years, sixty-nine million dollars at the end of two thousand and seven. Well, I guess in, technically it was the beginning of the season in two thousand and seven, and he was out the door after the two thousand and eleven season. So <laughs> just just insane, ah, man. A twelve-year contract is so absurd to me mm-hmm. uh, in any sport. It's, yeah, like that's uh, crazy. Who was that uh, that gentleman who signed one last year for the Phillies in that well two two years ago now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. How's that working out? Really Definitely good, I hear. By that. the way, Definitely... uh, I saw the Mets have turned their attentions to James McCann over Real Muto, so that please some, please do that, please some, and thank you. Some minor positive, but that's only so that they can sign Trevor Bauer and George Springer, which all isn't a great outcome. I'm but, fine with that. George Springer stinks. Well, Trevor Bauer doesn't, but we're not here to talk about whether or not Trevor Bauer stinks. We are, we will address, and I think we'll both agree that he's a crazy person, yes. but he's a talented crazy person. Unbelievably talented. What I want to talk about is the Vegas Golden Knights who are tied with the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning at plus 800 at Bavada. The Knights again, so they have played the expansion game literally the best you could possibly do it. Yeah. I mean... They, I believe, were the number one seed or close to the number one seed going into the bubble uh, again. And they're just unbelievably talented. They're going to move on from Marc-Andre Fleury, I believe, and stick with Robin Leonard uh, as their starting goaltender going into next year. Um, but they're another another offensive just powerhouse. Max Pacioretty, um, Mark Stone, uh, Alex Tuck. I mean... These are William Carlson, who emerged in their their expansion season where they went to the the, the Cup final and lost mm-hmm. to Washington as just an absolute Crazy. sniper. I mean, you you'd never see that in in sports, man. Like an expansion team going to the going to the finals is unheard of. It's actually what's going to be interesting. Uh, the Knights are very good, and with this Seattle Kraken coming in, I forgot I don't about know, that. Yeah, I don't think it's this upcoming year. I think it's going to be another year out. Greg, I'm um, announcing right now that I'm a Seattle Kraken fan. Perfectly fine. They have a pretty cool logo and a pretty dope jersey, so I don't I don't hate that. Um, they the, the the pressure is really going to be on to, on Seattle to have a very good product. The the thing with the expansion rules is is that the NHL like as a team you have whatever 13 or 15 like spots where uh, guys can't be taken mm. and for a lot of teams, there's some serious talent out there, you know, that that if a sure. team's really, really loaded, that could end up being someone very, very good. I mean, you're talking about – I've seen names like Michael Roffel and Scott Lawton uh, getting floated as, the, fly, as the, the person that would be taken from the Flyers. Like, those are key contributors, key contributors to the Flyers. Scott Lawton 
um, former first round pick, just, uh, you know, uh, somewhat unheralded because his offensive numbers aren't always there. But this past season really came on as a big factor in on this team from a lower line standpoint. And that's a guy with, with increased playing time on a different team can, can absolutely make a difference. And Seattle's going to have to make the right decisions like Vegas did, but it's, it's going to be very, very interesting to see how they go uh, about building that Seattle team. How about the unrealistic pressure that is now on this Kraken team following what Vegas did in their first season? Oh, it's completely unfair. It's going to be absolutely, the expectations are going to be through the roof. Hey, look what this other expansion team just did like three years ago. All right, go do that yeah. now. Make, it, make a win Stanley this time, Cup. you bastards. <laughs> exactly. Make a Stanley Cup final and lose to arguably one of the best players of all time in Alex Ovechkin. Well, do it. I dare you. If anybody can, it's going to be a team shepherded by Ron Francis. <laughs> I mean, hey. Uh, the guy is is a is a longtime executive in the NHL. He knows what he's doing. He has a challenge ahead of him, and I think I think we're going to see a a lot of a lot of moving and shaking from the from the Kraken. Yeah, I would like to announce. I'm announcing this right now. I'd like to be the Seattle Kraken's number one celebrity fan. I mean, you could probably do that. I don't even think you have to go to any games. No, I, I don't plan on it. I don't plan. Have on them it. put you. Have it's a virtual world now. Have them put you up on one of the big screens in the stadium. Mm-hmm. Just it's just always be there. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, like it's know. just me watching, and it's it's gonna be fun. Everybody will enjoy it, and a lot of times it'll be. I don't know if you caught the, uh, you caught the video of the Eagles cheerleaders yesterday on the uh, on the screen during the Eagles game where they're instead instead of you should all everyone who's listening to this should Google this. They cut to the Eagles cheerleaders, and when they show all the fan boxes like going in and out of uh, segments. And one of them realizes she's on camera. The other two are just on their phones, like texting, completely disinterested. <laughs> awesome. And it, it's such a great analogy for what we were watching during the game, too, because the, uh, the Eagles didn't seem particularly interested after a certain point. But, Greg, we're, we're down to number one now. And that favorite, the Stanley Cup favorite at Bavada, plus 700, the Buffalo Sabres. No, the Colorado Avalanche. Again, another really, really good team with a loaded amount of talent up front on offense. I mean, Nathan McKinnon, uh, again, another former – I love it. All these teams we keep talking about it, a former overall number one picks, proves that if you draft well in the NHL, you can be very, very good quickly. Oh, where, um, where's Vinny LeCavier playing? We should get him. Uh, definitely retired at this point. Oh, but he played a while. <laughs> he, he played not too long ago. Uh, yeah, probably two, three years retired, maybe, maybe even not even that much. Um, the 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 Avalanche got a, a tough hand dealt to them in the bubble when they lost their captain Gabriel Landeskog. Um, that sounds that back. sounds like a fake name. I'm sorry. <laughs> he'll be back and healthy. They have Miko Rantanen, who was unbelievable. Uh, Calder Trophy winner, I believe, for the best rookie of the year, and Cal Maker on defense. Um, I mean, they they just traded for Devin Tays, another defenseman from the Islanders. Um, they're they're a very good team, a very very good team. Andre Burakovsky, I forgot to even talk about mm-hmm. uh, from a goaltending standpoint, they could potentially see some improvement. I mean, Philip Grubauer is what he is. Um, he's, he's, it's not always going to be a shutout with him every night, but with a team that's as offensively talented as Colorado, you don't necessarily need to have the lights out goalie. Does it help? Absolutely. But uh, they're, they're going to be very good again, again this year. 
I know people are wondering, so I'm just going to give this information right now. Vinny LeCavier last played in the 2015-2016 season. Play, huh. Split that seven games with the Flyers, 42 games with the Los Angeles Kings. I'm very surprised that it was that long ago. Me too, and I, I mean, know very little about hockey. That is the one thing, though, about hockey. When uh, Hockey, when you drop off, you drop off. Like, it's just done. You... We talked about Mike Richards. When Mike Richards went from like being passable on the ice to just done, it happened so quickly. And the same thing happened with Vinny. The great thing is with Vinny, it happened while he was on the Flyers. Oh, yeah. It was <laughs> terrible. And I'm looking at the stats right now. Negative 16 uh, in that first season with the Flyers. Basically uh, 20 goals, 17 assists, 37 points in 69 games. A far cry from the, the 108 points he had in 2006. Yeah, yeah. I'm, aging is a bitch, Chris. Um, that plus minus. See, look at that. In a in a in a sport where it actually matters, um, not good. Very not good. Uh, the second worst, oh, third worst of his. No, he had some. He was pretty terrible. Those Lightning teams early on were pretty terrible. <laughs> but uh, yeah, not Stanley ideal. Stanley Cup champion, Vinny Lacavalier. Stanley Cup champion. Stole it right out of the Flyers' hands in a Game Seven Eastern Conference Final. Went on to beat Calgary in seven games with Martin St. Louis and Vinny LeCavalier at the helm. Vinny, I, uh, oh, here's a, here's a fun game. For his career, what was his career plus minus? Whew, ah, man, I don't even know how to get it. He played, you're talking, he, he played, played 1,200 games. Yeah. Mm. Uh, he's probably like plus. 55 or something negative like 140 eh, all right that makes sense negatives probably make more sense because he played for a lot of bad teams outside of the couple of years that were really really good i'm seeing stats now that i did not know existed um including offensive zone start percentage <laughs> so i'm really i'm gonna break these down and write a book <laughs> well i mean you, like that's that's where analytics sort of actually works like you know, I don't understand sports anymore. You started this with you don't care about sports anymore. If all of a sudden you're now arguing pro analytics, I don't understand this world anymore. Well, that's from a hockey standpoint where it actually makes sense where you could start all over the field and not when you're down 11 it's with eight minutes left ice. in the game. When <laughs> You're correct. I was wrong. The ice. Not when you're down 11 with eight minutes left in a game and your defense has been on fire and you go for it on fourth and four instead of kicking a 33-yard field goal. That's not analytics. That's stupidity. That's what a weird analogy. Like what a weird analogy you're making right now. I have I have no idea where you're coming up with these examples. I would tag me never. Um. All right. So we went over all the top teams. I'm gonna give you the worst teams, and I want you to tell me who you're putting your money on. You have to put all of all of your your eldest child's college money on one of these teams. Legally binding contract. I want to know who it's going to be and why. The uh, Detroit Red Wings, the worst odds at plus 15,000, the Senators plus 10,000, and the Devils and Ducks plus 8,000 at Bavada. Remember, legally binding. The Devils are such an interesting team because they do have a ton of young talent. Like, they've had a ton of high-up picks uh, over the past couple of years because they've been so, so bad. Mm -hmm. uh, I just... To me, goaltending has been their biggest issue. Like, they can score. I mean, you don't have guys like Nico Heischer and... and um, 
all the other like super talented guys up front, like Jack Hughes, you know, number one overall pick. He's come along. I mean, like this, they they should be better defensively. They they leave a lot to be desired. They did add PK Subban, which is mm. pretty big. Um, and we'll see if Corey Crawford can get a fresh start in in Jersey. I. I, I kind of worry that his time may have passed, but I don't know if you have any other options if you're the Devils. The Devils are a team I take a flyer on, despite the fact that they're in a very tough and talented division uh, in a very deep conference. I think the Devils are a team that could make some noise uh, and, and kind of sneak their way their way in and uh, surprise somebody and, and hoist a cup and pay for you know a new house. Well, I would think that you would you know since this was your your daughter's college money, you would probably just you know put and the other daughter through college as well. But I guess you guys have money now, so college isn't necessary. Listen, I don't know what to do with money, and <laughs> buying houses would probably be where I would start. All right. Look, just uh, just throwing money around here on the uh, on your wrong, and here's why. Greg, uh, what do we know about when the season is going to start? You know what's funny? I was just talking about it with uh, with uh, my wife earlier. I was like, it's weird. We still like haven't heard a ton. I mean, I guess really the rumblings have been some divisional realignment, some some potted games like, you know, staying over and playing extra games in cities and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, my guess is it's going to be sometime early January. We'll hear, we'll hear uh, some announcements coming up this month, maybe in the next two or three weeks, uh, and then they'll get it rolling in G- mid-January. I'm sure they have similar restrictions like the NBA from a, from a television contract perspective. And, and I mean, obviously – the NHL national television contracts are are nowhere near what the NBA is. The NBA has national TV contracts across like 15 different networks. The NHL yeah. is essentially locked into NBC well, and NBC only. So the NHL also has another giant problem in that they have seven teams that currently operate in Canada. Yes, very big issue. Uh, very big issue. And also, they have teams that operate in states that are have areas that are totally shut down from group activities, like oh. the 49ers. Oh. Like, That's just basically going to be everywhere soon. Every Everybody's just going to be playing in Florida. Thank, thank you, Ron DeZanis. But uh, <laughs> there's a lot of talk that there could be a all-Canadian division next season. Do you see that happening? I think so. I think that's that's going to probably have to happen, at least for a little bit. Um, and I don't know, it's like, we'll go back old school, like the early days where the Canadians won all their Stanley Cups, where there was like a six-team league and they just happened to win it every every other year or every year for like 12 years straight. Uh, I think that's I think that's what we're going to kind of get uh, with this this weird season. Uh, the uh, Speaking of weird seasons, the Christmas Day games have just been released for the NBA. Ooh. And uh, the Pelicans and Heat will play it noon i don't know which time zone we're talking about here it does not say um oh this is it's listed in eastern time so i'm guessing that these are eastern time games the golden state warriors and bucks will play at 2 30 the nets and celtics play at five the mavs and lakers at eight and the clippers and nuggets at 10 30 Dude, that should scream to every Sixers fan that your your franchise and team is a joke. Your no, stars, stop it. Your stars don't matter. You don't get a Christmas right, Day game. Let's make your well, they, they, teams. They've played on Christmas Day for like the past uh, four years. But, so have the Celtics. And they keep winning. So have the well, Celtics. The Sixers keep winning. Um, Dude, who cares? Although, they don't go anywhere in the playoffs. Well, all right, let's make let's make a 
a friendly wager that may or may not actually have monetary value <laughs> right now. Uh, I will say that uh, what kind of odds will you give me that the Sixers make uh, that the six? All right, what kind of odds would you give me that the Sixers win a playoff series? I mean, that's probably even money. Okay, well, I think they're what I kind of what kind of odds to win a second round in the playoffs? A second round in the playoffs? Uh, uh I, I think I'd have to give you like two to one. There's that's all I get is two to one. Well, you were just telling me how they were garbage and irrelevant. They it's are funny how relevant. when the shoe's on the other foot, you're not willing to give me any odds. Chris, from a financial standpoint, this is predatory. We are in, I'm just we saying are this in is predatory. <laughs> very different situations from a financial standpoint. I can't be. Yeah, you own a home, and I'm odds. trying to get a home. Like you're in way better position than I am. All right, so we'll, we'll call it. How about we call it three to one? Fine, three to one is three to one is definitely doable. All right, what if we say? Uh, all right. Well, look, we're not. I'm just trying. I'm just trying to win a bet here. I'm not trying to take a take a bunch of your money. How about ten dollars? I'm fine with that. All right. Consider and it's for the Sixers to win a second round playoff two rounds series. in the playoffs. Yes. Okay. All right. So that's gonna be like July. Hey Siri. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody, somebody, save this. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm recording it. Uh, although Siri doesn't want to. Hey Siri, set a reminder for July 1st. It's great audio. <laughs> it's hilarious. Greg though. owes me thirty dollars because the Sixers are currently champions. <laughs> They're not champions for winning two playoff rounds. They're How does champ- that work? Champions in my heart. <laughs> champions in your heart that's that's like when i take the picture of the nba 2k screen after i my, my player has signed with the sixers and we've won a title and i'm holding the mvp trophy and the larry o'brien and i go i take a picture put it on social media and just go one day dot 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 greg and, be- and i believe that that's <laughs> going to happen for you not for me that would just mean no the i think it's going to happen for you don't sell yourself short any day now it's going to be a disney story this is one of the dumber shows we've ever done and um <laughs> You know, hockey, hockey. For sure. Uh, Hockey, for sure. I just didn't have it in me to complain about football anymore. I don't want to talk about all the coronavirus stuff. Let's just, I figured, what the hell? Let's just talk about hockey. It's disheartening. Like, it's it's not fun. uh, It's not fun with football. Like, it's just, it hasn't been fun. It's not going to be fun. The season's pretty much over in like four weeks for for Eagles fans, and just get kind of used to it. It's just like whatever. We're just we're good. I, somehow, somehow for for Eagles fans, it was better in May when there was no sports to now when there's sports all the time. Like it's it's so incredibly sad, but I can't tell you how many mock drafts I've done on Pro Football Network on their mock draft simulator so far. Like I it it the number is at least twenty. And it's just, it's just what's getting me through. Like, right. I literally have one open right now. And I, it, the, the, the pick seems to be Micah Parsons at six with, uh, with Jamar Chase and Patrick Sertain off the board. So, I mean, put them up, put them up there as, uh, as, um, whatchamacallit, uh, with Alex Singleton, line them up, get them right there. I like Alex Singleton. Can we talk? I like Alex Singleton. I'm fine. I with think Alex he might Singleton. be okay. <laughs> Might be okay. That's what I'm looking for. Well, I mean, he was a special. He it. was a special teams player and like our fifth linebacker three weeks ago. To to he might be okay is pretty high praise at this point. Um, I'm, debate, I'm debating between a couple of Ohio State kids, either Sean Wade or Chris Olave in the second round. 
I'm going to take Alave because I want to give I'm going to give Carson Wentz another weapon on offense. Well, you know what you should do? Who is uh who's a really solid like second round quarterback that we can take? Uh, let's, just, let's just keep keep adding on. I don't see I don't know that there are any uh, you're All right. All right so if <laughs> so obviously Lawrence Fields are one two. It seems like Zach Wilson has solidified himself as that number three guy in a potential top five pick. Trey Lance is after him. And then you have like then you have like Mac Jones and Kyle Trask for one of them's probably gonna be a first round pick. The other's probably gonna be a second round pick, whoever doesn't go in the first round. I w- I would guess Trask Jones at this point. But uh so so Mac Jones is our is our draft pick, is what you're saying. I mean, let's just stockpile Alabama quarterbacks. We're quarterback factory because we all know in professional sports what you want to be is a quarterback factory. You want to have so many quarterbacks you can line eleven of them up at the same time and so they can all throw one forward pass. Well, and it's so useful to have all those quarterbacks. Um but you know what? Let's do this. I'm taking Kyle Trask, he's available at seventy in the third round. He's my pick. Perfect. Imagine, imagine saying the phrase "we want to be a quarterback factory" and you're not a college or university. Mm. Like, imagine saying that. That is the dumbest. The uh, this is the dumbest, most inept phrase. I knew it. I knew we were gonna. We tried to stay away from it, and now we're back, bookending it. With I mean, just how dumb I'm doing a mock draft. I don't know. Uh, you're you're venting. I'm doing a mock draft. <laughs> I have the number thirty-one pick, one thirty-one here. I'm trading one thirty-one in a seventh-round pick next year for one forty-four and one fifty-four from the uh, from the Bills. We're gonna add a little bit of depth here. Um, <laughs> you, know, you know what? Chuba Hubbard uh, Hubbard is available here at one thirty-two. I'm gonna add him as my backup running back to Miles Sanders, so he can get that other carry a game. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Pit safety, Paris Ford here at 144. We should have one more pick. Uh, oh, I love this one. Daniel Falele, the big six nine, four hundred pound offensive tackle at Minnesota, is now a Philadelphia Eagle. Uh, what do we got here? Ah, uh, Chris, we can't be drafting tackles. We have. Bro, we uh, have... I'm, I'm not taking a second quarterback because we're a quarterback factory. So I'm also grabbing Brock Purdy. <laughs> Why not? Why not? See, quarterback factory, absolutely the most asinine comment of any professional sports thing I think I've heard in a decade. We want to be a we are quarterback quarterback factory. Why? Because your backup quarterback got lucky and won four games and got you a Super Bowl. Like that's that that makes you think that you're a quarterback factory. Jeffrey Lurie should fire Howie right now. Call him. I you know what, Jeff. Call me, I'll call Howie, and then I'll call Doug, and I'll get them both plane tickets to wherever they want to go and just get out of my life. What, are you like a travel agent in this scenario? At this what, is point, your, yes. what is your role for this? I've been, I've been deputized oh, by, wow. Mr. Lurie, by Mr. Lurie to remove these gentlemen from the premises and void their contracts. Well, I just had, a pretty, had, I just had a pretty solid draft. Uh, I ended up <laughs> with Micah Parsons at 6, Chris Olave at 38, Kyle Trask at 70, Chuba Hubbard at 133, Paris Ford 144, Daniel Falele at 154, Brock Purdy, quarterback number two at 165, and Wisconsin linebacker Jack Sanborn at uh, 196. I'm, I'm happy with this result, and I don't think yeah. we should have taken an actual uh, skill position player or somebody to help the offensive line at, at 70. I'm glad we got our third string quarterback. <laughs> everything, everything screams draft a guy who, in the best case scenario, never plays it down in the second round. Absolutely. Why? Why wouldn't it? All right, that's it for this week's episode of You're Wrong and Here's Why. For Greg Cronin, I'm Chris Hordell. We thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week.